Happy Sunday. It's good to see you all today. Um, and I must say, as an intern, it has been very valuable uh, summer here for me at St. George's. The ministry of hosting Duke interns and the fellows program is a great, great example of Christian hospitality and a wonderful ministry. Uh, I want to thank the Padfields for hosting me personally, uh, and I want to thank you all for letting me part, be a part of your community this summer. It's really meant a lot. I've learned a lot. Uh, and honestly, being hosted by churches, I think, is one of the greatest gifts you can give to an aspiring minister. So thank you. For our sermon today, we will be diving into the Colossians text, which is... Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 15, um, a letter that Paul sent to the Colossians. And that's in the bulletin. I will be referring to the text, uh, so you might want to follow along. In the text, St. Paul makes an argument that Christ is the head of all things and frees us from spiritual bondage. So let us dive in to see what the Lord has to say and how Paul does that. In verse 6, in the beginning of the passage, Paul states, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. There are at least two things to note in this text. One, Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ the Lord. This is a radical claim. And off the bat, Paul says Jesus, a wandering Jewish peasant, uh, is the Lord and Messiah. Jesus is the Lord, not the emperor or someone else. And this little statement, Jesus Christ the Lord, is enough to get you killed in the Roman Empire. And that statement did get a lot of Christians killed in the Roman Empire. Second, Paul encourages the congregation he tells them, back to the text, continue walking in the Lord, rooted and built up in him and established in him. I have been around churches a long time. I've worked and attended a good number of churches. And I'm encouraged to say that you all are doing this, that you all are doing this. You're thriving after a pandemic and uh, clergy changes. And it was a pleasure being here this summer around such great godly people. It really was. Is this church perfect? No. Like all churches, we're not, and we can grow and change. But I'm excited because as St. Paul brags about his congregations, I will now go back to Duke and brag about you all. So thank you. And continue, in encouragement, continue walking in Christ as you are. Now, after this kind of introduction that Paul gives, let's turn back to the text because Paul warns the congregation about something. He says in verse 8, Watch out that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. I think at least three things need our attention here. Philosophy, human tradition, and elemental spirits. What does Paul mean by all this? Well, philosophy at the time was concerned with how to live the good life. A philosopher was a lover of wisdom, literally, and was concerned and 
thinking about human flourishing. They walked around gardens wondering how best to live life. This can be seen in Plato's The Republic, in how best a city-state should run, or Aristotle's Nicodemian ethics. Along with that, most philosophies at the time believed a thing called a logos, guided and kept the universe together. This was at the essence of the universe that held it all together, the logos. And this logos, or word, is what Christians call Jesus, most notably in John's Gospel. But regardless of the philosophy, the philosophy was a narrative about how to live a good life. Well, what about human tradition? Well, human tradition is fairly easy to understand. It's just simply our cultural way of doing things. Our economics, laws, traditions, customs, etc. Well, what about the elemental spirits of the world? Well, this is quite fascinating. Ancient people believed the world to be a full place. Full of spirits, that is. For pagans, this meant all sorts of different kinds of spirits, gods, demigods, uh, some for good, some for ill, some for neutral. And for Christians, then, this then means angels and demons. We know from the archaeological and literary record of ancient times that people would wear charms or um, you know, create runes to keep evil spirits away, to try and impact the way the evil spirit might um, affect them. People would also hire magicians or miracle workers to manipulate the spirits to bring about blessing for themselves in some way. Or if they thought an evil spirit had uh, taken them captive in some way, they would get spiritual professionals, so to speak, to help get them out. This might sound silly to us, but uh, in a similar way, not the same thing, but in a similar way, it's kind of how we think about our medical system. Even when it fails to heal us, we still believe and trust in it because it's what we have. So, it is interesting. Now, it is important to note here, however, that back uh, into the text, St. Paul, in all of his wisdom, calls all of these things, philosophy, human tradition, and elemental spirits of the world, an empty deceit compared to Christ. An empty deceit compared to Christ. See, no human tradition or version of the good life or powerful spirit is anything compared to Christ for Paul. Anything. And they should definitely not take us captive as he warns us, spiritually imprisoning us into their deceit. See, St. Paul has to warn the Colossians and us about these because rival versions of the good life, human tradition, and these spirits do take us captive and can take us captive, spiritually imprisoning us. We know this. All of us have, at some point or another, been taken captive, or been, um, yeah, been taken captive by false notions of the good life. We are allured by advertisements and products that will make our life better. We believe money and richness will make us whole. We're stuck in comparing ourselves, both on social media and in real life. And for a somewhat harmless example, look at the thing we all have in our pockets, our phones. We spend countless hours on this device and with companies whose only aim is to keep us on the phone and make a profit. There are many, many things that can enslave us and we are tempted with. But all this pulls us away from the truth of Christ if we're not careful.
well, this kind of is a dire situation here. So what is the remedy? What's Paul's solution to this? Well, going back to the text, Paul reminds us of Christ, saying, For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The whole fullness of God dwells bodily. And you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. See, Paul is reminding us that Christ, no one else, Christ is God incarnate. That is, Christ is the God of the universe, the Logos, in fleshly form, as St. John teaches us. Any version of Christianity that rejects this is heretical, and any leader or philosophy or power that puts themselves up and above Christ is not in their proper place. For Christ is the head of every ruler and authority and power of the world. In other words, Christ is the boss. Not the government leaders or business CEOs or world influencers or powers in the world. Christ is the one who rules, as Paul reminds us. Christ is the one true king. And all other powers and rulers and are false. And will someday lose their power and reign. Now after all this, Paul, going back to the text, Paul reminds us that we have been, as the church, circumcised with spiritual circumcision, and in our baptism we have been buried and raised with Christ. Jesus has forgiven us all of our sins. Jesus has made us alive. And in all this, Jesus disarms the rulers and authorities of the world, spiritual, physical. In other words, we were all once enslaved to the philosophies, the rival visions of the good life, the traditions and the spirits of the world. And perhaps we still struggle with this today. But if we have been baptized, regardless if we were an infant or adult, we are being made alive in Christ. We are being free from this spiritual captivity. We are, as Christians, a different kind of people. We are set apart in our spiritual circumcision to be God's holy people. We are resurrected people. We are to be different than the world, an alternative community of saints who is marked by the life of Christ, which is love, compassion, kindness, and healing. As people who have been made alive in Christ and dead to the enslavement of sin and empty deceit, we know that all of these different secular narratives we are bombarded with false. And we live by a different code. We live to the code of Jesus, who disarms and puts to shame all other rulers and authorities and powers. We know, we know that the Creator God loved us so much that He wanted to hang out with us in the flesh and be with us. We know that God frees us from spiritual imprisonment. Now, how do I know as a guest preacher that you all believe this and cling to this? Well, I've been here this summer, and you're here today. We may still be working on how this truth impacts our life or our own doubts or um, how to live this out, but you're here today on Sunday morning. There's other things you could do, and we know it enough to be in fellowship with God's people in the church, and you also, we also know it enough to partake um, to partake of Christ in the Eucharist. Now, because 
Jesus is God in human flesh, who lived and walked among us as a homeless teacher. All other powers have been put to shame. No other narrative, no other truth tells us the real truth. No other story reminds us that we are so deeply and so completely loved. So deeply and so completely loved. St. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not our sins, not our doubts, not our spiritual imprisonments, no rival philosophy or version of the good life we're bombarded with, no human tradition or spiritual or physical power can remove us from God's family and God's tender love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Think about that and meditate on that during the Eucharist today. Because this bread and this wine that we're going to have soon is not just a bad-tasting wafer and sweet wine. It is Christ incarnate in some mysterious way coming to be with us, you and me. It is Christ leaving his heavenly privilege to be here in this very room right now to be consumed by us and to renew us. You see, Jesus Christ the Lord, as Paul says, is the greatest power in the universe. And Jesus loves each and every one of you more than you can possibly imagine. No matter your situation in life, no matter what enslaves you, no matter your sins, no matter your faults, griefs, or regrets. Jesus is the one true philosopher, the lover of wisdom. He is the good life. And he wishes to free us from the bondage of empty deceit and bring us into the freedom of his self-sacrificial, unending love and the freedom of his family and the freedom that we never, never have to justify ourselves because we are loved and justified by him. And the freedom of being loved, truly and intimately loved and known by the most powerful being in the universe, the freedom of being loved by the creator of everything we see. I wonder what in our lives and in our hearts still enslaves us. What still prevents us from really, truly living into the love of the Lord. What keeps us from being transformed and living into God's love. It's something to think about during the, the Eucharist. Amen.